So hello and welcome back to this new episode of the podcast Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy and I'm super excited to be here today with Josh McGraw and he, he is a psychotherapist and uh, a lot of other things that he will all tell us about today and we met through Clubhouse in the same kind of psychedelic space that is uh, pretty active there so if you if you haven't been there and if you're interested in this topic like you can check check that out on Clubhouse so it's the first time that we are meeting as well so it's gonna be just a, a discovery conversation and I'm excited about that so welcome to the podcast thank you for being here Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So, Josh, I would love to start with um, how did you end up becoming a therapist? Like, what was that in your life, you know, that pushed you onto this path? And uh, yeah, what was your journey, if you want to share with us a little bit? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I had a really, um, I think objectively, I had a really rough childhood. I grew up in an environment where both of my parents were drug addicts and I experienced quite a bit of abuse, uh, quite a bit of trauma and, you know, neglect, physical abuse, sexual abuse, the, 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 the deal. And the one thing that my parents did very well is that they knew something was wrong and they sent me to therapy. So by the time I was eight years old, I had started uh, seeing therapists. And from eight years old to about 14 years old, I didn't really work with a good one. Uh, so I saw a lot of therapists. I, my, my parents were just kind of sending me to one person, the next person, the next person. I saw child psychologists. I saw religious therapists. I saw, you know, um, you know, school counselors, that sort of thing. And it never really connected. It never really did something for me. I think I learned some tools along the way. But for the most part, I just saw how it was done poorly. I had counselors tell me that, you know, it was just the problem was my thinking. I had uh, religious counselors telling me that my parents' addiction was because of the devil. And, and, you know, I needed to forgive them for what they were doing. A um, lot, of, lot of bad information, which I didn't really know at the time. I just knew it wasn't working. I knew that I was missing something. And I just kind of felt like an alien on this planet as a result of it. So when I was 14, I found a therapist uh, associated with a community center and he was amazing. He just took the time to earn my trust. You know, I was just this angsty little ball of emotions as a teenager and, you know, really shut down and really reticent and closed off. And he just took his time. He took his time getting to know me. He took his time building my trust and, and learning what it was, what it meant to be me. And over the course of a few months, just slowly started opening up. I slowly started thawing this big ice wall that I had built up around me. And it really just sort of was the first moment in my life where I realized, one, that I could actually be in charge of some part of my life, that I actually had autonomy and I had the ability to make different decisions and change the way that I was looking at things. And two, that... Um, that that change was possible. I didn't realize that, like, I didn't realize that and the emotions that I felt could actually change and could be healed and that life could look a little bit different. So from there, I started getting involved with a lot of like, uh, you know, therapy groups, teen groups, that kind of stuff. I started participating a lot more, started opening up and just become really addicted to vulnerability and like emotional processing and opening. I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. Like I can actually like 
changed the way that I feel. And like, it gets so much better on the other side. I didn't know that. I spent so many years just feeling like this is going nowhere and life is really depressed and awful and just not wanting to be around at all. So by the time I was 18, I had already been involved in countless group experiences and uh, really transformational personal growth things. So when it came up, you know, the opportunity to go to school came up, I just knew I wanted to be a therapist. You know, it was, it was a clear path for me. I never changed my major. Like I went for psychology and I, you know, pursued that. I got a master's degree uh, in mental health counseling and, you know, started practicing as quickly as I could because I just kind of fell in love right away. That's, that's awesome. I always love listening to people's stories and I think a lot of therapists have this wounded healer archetype, you know, that, yeah, yeah, some things happened, you know, and I was looking for ways to deal with it, you know, and, and, and through that experience, as you describe, you know, you realize that, wow, things can change and things can get better and you have the power actually to do something about them. And, and that's, that's, you know, a real high, you know, after the depression, as you, yeah. as you say, so I can definitely relate to that. Um, you know, they say that in every challenge there is a blessing and I, I, I think that, you know, that that is true in some way. Um, I, I, I don't think, you know, I could really relate to people on a deep way if I would have never experienced any challenges or any hardships. I would be just like, what's your problem? I don't understand, you know, kind of way. Well, yeah, there's that saying of like, you can only take someone as far as you've gone. So for me to be able to work with someone in this capacity, like I have to, I can't sit with someone in the dark comfortably if I don't own my own darkness. So there's that relationship of, like, I can't be with someone in a pain that I haven't healed myself. And either it doesn't make sense or it'll scare the shit out of me. So one or the other is not a good situation. Like we have to, being the wounded healer, we have to heal. Yes. <laughs> we have to heal this first, you know? Absolutely. And, um, you know, you come from kind of classical Western psychology, like the same same thing as me. That was what I majored in. And um, even when I was in the university, I worked in, I, I said this story many times on the podcast, but I worked in Hungary in the first, we set up the first needle exchange for intravenous drug users, mostly people who lived on the street. And... Um, I worked with these um, these people, you know, with serious addictions as a social worker during, you know, while I was still in, in, in the university. And, uh, and I really um, could see that all the tools and the knowledge that I was gaining in the university was totally ineffective with these people. I mean, like, it was just this group of people who most needed help, you know, they were the most messed up kind of like periphery of society and, and everything I was learning was not helpful for them. So that prompted me, you know, after after finishing school to go more into other alternative and holistic modalities. So how was that for you? Because I, I read that you also, you are a hypnotherapist and, and, and you do neuropathy and, and uh, relationship therapy. So what, what brought you, you know, to, to keep still, you, you had a master's already, you could practice and everything, but you still keep going where you stand. Um. I mean, I think I think one answer to that question is that the training never stops. I mean, I think I think the best 
therapists, healers, helpers, shamans, whatever. Uh, we always have to be training. We always have to be working on ourselves. We always have to be looking for the deeper, more nuanced areas of what it is to guide people through this process. So yeah, for me, um, I've always been sort of fascinated with what are the things that we don't understand? What is not in the mainstream uh, that are the more potent forms of healing? I, I, I'm a big fan of models that are tried and true and researched and practiced and that, you know, anyone could just pick up a book, read it and say, okay, I'm going to help you. I'm like, that's amazing. That's awesome. That um, if you utilize this technique, it works every time. I think that's amazing. And at the same time, I think that there's just as much as there is a science associated with this work, there's also an art form. And the way that I like to encounter people is based on who I am. So there came a time in my practice where I realized just doing one-on-one -on -one therapy didn't, didn't do enough for me to feel like, to feel excited and interested and constantly wanting to show up to do the work. You know, that one-on-one -on -one process just wasn't enough. And so then I started doing a lot of groups and even those groups, it's like, wow, this is amazing, but I feel like there's more. So I ended up getting involved with a lot of workshops and creating these sort of like large personal growth experiences. I'm like, ooh, those offer things that this side of stuff doesn't offer and realizing that there's value in each one. Right, they're all different tools. There's no, there's no one path to these things. They're just different methods. Um, so I think just that, that path of constantly searching and seeking is, you know, I, I'm sure that I will be miles away from where I am right now today in a few years because um, I follow what's interesting. So in terms of you know, uh, entheogens and, and you know, altered states and, and psychedelic experiences associated with therapy, it's very interesting. It's very potent. It's something that is um, capable of transforming people's lives in the most amazing way possible and also capable of absolutely devastating someone and ruining their lives and something like that that is that powerful intrigues me um, so it just sparks something in my mind where like ooh, i want to i want to understand this as deeply as i possibly can because it's not easy um, it's not cookie cutter it's not just yep take this model right out of the book and apply it to your client and then they heal. Um, I think that's something I've just learned about myself through the process. I don't, I don't like things that are simple and easy. I like challenges. I like things that are difficult. You know, I like working with people who are at the depths of their despair because that's not easy. That's not simple. And I want to, you know, feel like who I am as a person in this world, as a tool, as a resource is useful. Absolutely. That is so beautiful. I, I, I deeply resonate with what you were saying. And yeah, I think uh, in one of the previous episodes, we were talking about red flags uh, in terms of choosing a shaman, you know, for a plant medicine ceremony. And, and one thing we said, you know, if somebody says that, oh, I am, I am already cured and healed and I don't have to learn anything anymore and I know everything and <laughs> I, it's, I'm done, I reached perfection, you know, then yeah. not a good sign, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think one of my favorite quotes that I came across very early on was always trust people who are in search of the truth. Never trust anyone who's found it. Yeah, that's lovely. I love that. I'm going to borrow that. Thank you.
Yeah. Anyone who yes. says I've I've figured it all out, I've got it all, like it's like mm, yeah, I'm some skeptical of that. Like, yeah. If you're just on the hunt, yes, that that I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, you know, for me, plant medicine was quite a humbling experience, and my first experience was with ayahuasca, which was like pretty, you know, intense. And I did have, you know, quite an inflated ego from the Western education and master's degree and, you know, all the things and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm sure you can relate. And then went into a ceremony and it was like, okay, <laughs> let's just put things in a different perspective. So that was definitely a humbling experience. And for me, you know, it was very similar that I was always searching for other tools and not just because I am interested, but also people are so different, you know, and different things work for different people at different times. Like one thing is not going to suit everybody all the time. It's just not going to work. So I, I, I always had like a toolbox of other like different things that I can pull based on what the person needs you know and where where they are in the moment and uh, so so i was open to everything but i never really c considered plant medicine before and i come from eastern europe so i we had like zero knowledge of this <laughs> like maybe i heard of magic mushrooms and in the university maybe we learned that illegal drugs you know and there are some plants that belong to there but like really zero and 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 later you know when i was in part of this online community um there was this opportunity to go to peru to do this training with the shipibos and i just felt that i have to go and i don't know what this is about <laughs> exactly it was such a strong that i went you know at that time i lived in ireland but i went to peru and 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 i was like i have to do this and and without any knowledge and and we always say talk to people about, you know, the calling. So I would love to know how was your experience of, you know, coming to the plants and, and yeah, tell us about that. <laughs> um, yes, I had, uh, I had a very similar experience as you, actually. Um, my, because I, I said my parents were drug addicts. So my early childhood up until uh, my experience with ayahuasca was, I've never done anything. I've never tried any drugs. I never uh, used marijuana. I I drank alcohol from when I was 21 to 22. I was in college and I tried the I tried to like party, didn't work. I didn't like it. Ugh. It just it just didn't resonate with me at all. I hated the feeling. It was just ugh, it was disgusting. So uh, never never did anything along those lines. And I got really really good at you know cognitive processing and learning this like as you're saying this western psychology way of approaching things um and then my wife and i had the opportunity to go to peru and we were going to go to machu picchu and, and i had said to my wife in previous conversations you know the only substance that i would ever really be open to is ayahuasca like in a ceremony and in with the intention of like really going to like these deeper levels that perhaps i don't have access to so when we planned this trip, she's like, you know what else is in Peru, right? And so we looked up a center and we found one that we really trusted that had like a really good intake process and some integration stuff. And, and we went for it. And my experience was very much that. It was the hardest, the most profound experience I had ever had in my life. And that 
concept of ego death was one that I had read about so much and I had no I, I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea the implications of that experience and how people talk a lot about, you know, mother ayahuasca, they need to encounter her. I encountered her. And uh, while in some context, I would say it was loving, it did not feel gentle. <laughs> it was not warm. It was not uh, gentle. It was not soothing. It was not nurturing. It was, um, you know, like grandmother ayahuasca who takes you over her knee and spanks your ass. Like, there was a moment in my experience where I was trying to get out of a loop that I was in. And I was like trying to like cognitively process this and okay, I've got to do this thing. And I see this, I see the lesson, show me something different. And I'm trying to like work with it. And I just hear this voice and it feels like a brick wall hits me. And it's like, you cannot talk your way out of this. You have been talking your way out of everything in your life. You are so full of shit. You need to sit and you need to experience this. And I was like, and I could just feel my entire body just give out. Just like, okay, that's it. I surrender. I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm so full of shit. I'm so fucking full of God. It was the hardest experience I've ever had in my life. And humbling. So humbling because up until that point, I thought I really had it figured out. You know, I think I like in that quote that I just said, like, <laughs> never trust anyone who's found the truth. I felt like I haven't found it, but man, I'm close, you know, like, and I really had like this, a lot of ego built up around feeling like I knew the way that I knew the, the method of healing. And it showed me how dogmatic I had become in the way that I was living my life. Um, since then, I have not done ayahuasca again. Every time I think about it, it just like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready again. I've heard people say that, like, what's your favorite drug? It's like, oh, ayahuasca. When's the last time you did it? Five years ago. <laughs> I can't. It's my favorite, yes, but not ready to do it again. Um, whereas I, uh, since then, I've had more experiences with uh, psilocybin uh, and, and microdosing that, that has allowed for me to integrate a lot of the things that I've realized and, and given me more of a solid ground, not like a drastic big experience, but something that allowed me to create a foundation of who it is that I want, you know, gaining those insights and being able to work it, thread it into my life so that I as a person feel like I get to grow. Wow, that that is amazing. Yeah, and and I love, you know, that you are also an example of you don't have to drink a lot of medicine to have an effect. And actually, I do, I do know people personally, even from my program who only had one ceremony and total like life changing <laughs> experience. And I mean, they did the therapy, you know, and we're going to talk about it, that it's not the ceremony, it's the, the work that and what you do with it, we're going to heading into that. But definitely, um, you know, for me, like it was very interesting because I was on this training with the Shipibos so that I had multiple ceremonies and I was I was so naive that I knew nothing about the integration at that time. No, but I thought that. I, you know, the, the whole experience for me was so challenging. I mean, it was beautiful and powerful, but so challenging in so many ways. And um, that one time I wanted to quit and I was like, send me the boat. <laughs> I want to go home with mommy and daddy. <laughs> like I was like, no, 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 no more medicine. But um, I was like, no, 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 I'm just like, it's almost over. And once it's over, everything's going to be perfect and fine. And 
once the training was over and they sent us off from the jungle, they said the, the real work begins now or something like that. And I was like, excuse, what, what, what is that? <laughs> like, I thought, you know, everything is over now. Like, it's like I puked my guts out. Like, I'm like, my mind is like completely melted away. So what, what, what else are you talking about? So, and that was it. That was kind of my integration. And they were like, goodbye and good luck. And of course, you know, I, I, I was not not well, and, and not just not well, but compared to how I was before, I was worse, <laughs> you know. And 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 I thought in my naivete that uh, obviously it wasn't enough medicine and ceremony, because I'm still not well. And my assumption was that after the ceremony, everything is going to be perfectly perfect and. Uh, so I kept, you know, drinking medicine until I had this like just major like dissolution of identity in a way, you know, and, 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 and it was it was very scary. And uh, I really thought that I'm going to go crazy and I'm going to know that I'm crazy and like who I was like the edge of, you know, really. And and even though I was a therapist already, I had tools, I had trainings like I, I, I and, and it was like tough. So, um, you know, I, I find a person at that point who, who told me, hey, stop drinking medicine and do your integration. And I'm like, what is that? And, uh, and then she uh, explained a little bit to me. And because one of my background is from rebirthing and, and breathwork and holotrope breathwork. And, you know, Stanislav Grof, I <coughs> he, she recommended to me this healer that I use the, the Stanislav Grof model uh, for for rebirthing, he has you know the perinatal matrices. Are you familiar with that? Like he describes the birth experience, you know, and birth trauma and stuff like that. So and 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 she recommended that I use that map because she said that I'm going through a, a rebirthing experience, a death rebirth, which I was aware actually because I was in a very similar experience that I had from rebirthing before, but it was just so much more intense. So I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So that gave me a little framework to navigate. And, and then she gave me some information, you know, about and, and, and then the, 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 the medicine wheel and the four altars and how to use that, you know, also for my process. But it, but it was just very beginning. So I was like, OK, I need to I need to figure this out because obviously uh, I need to do something <laughs> with myself. And and then I didn't drink for like three years. And wow. um, and then uh, I, I, I was called again more for not for personal healing anymore, more for learning. So my intention was like, teach me about this part and that part, you know, for me to understand more. And uh, like three, I think three years ago was the last time I, I had a sermon, three and a half or something. And I work with other plants recently. I was more called to work with other plants. And also she told me to work with specific plants, different plants as well. So, uh, and, and ultimately what I learned, you know, through my seven years of working with her is just really um, we are the medicine you know we are the healers and 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 love is the medicine and 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 the ultimate goal is not to rely on any crutch may that be a, a plant or a person or a therapist or even meditation like nothing just you know and that's 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 that kind of path and the empowerment and 
and she told me multiple times that the more healed you are, the more whole you are, the less medicine you need, obviously, <laughs> not more medicine. And, and I do feel connected to her on a very deep level and I can tap into that energy and, 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 and talk to her and receive guidance even now without sitting in a ceremony, which also I think, you know, that it's very possible to cultivate and create relationship with these plant allies, you know, without continuously digesting. And I've seen, you know, a lot of people who drink a lot of specifically ayahuasca and their energetic body is so open all the time and so ungrounded, you know, that it can be, um, that, that, that has uh, dangers in it, that has, you know, that's not good to be in that state all the time when you are not here. And that's also, she told me that, you know, I am here to be here. And she helped me a lot to come into my body because of, you know, the trauma and everything, like a lot of people not in their body and not grounded and connected to the earth. So she really had me with that and she showed me that that, you know, for me it was easy to leave, you know, before, like that was not a problem, it was like stay here. Um, and so, so it's, it's, it's interesting, but I've seen many people leave and just use it as an escape and, uh, you know, coming and bringing, you know, um, the kind of the embodiment of, of their experience in this reality. So I would love to hear your thoughts and experiences about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and this idea, I mean, what I hear when I hear you talking about that is this idea of the inner healer, like an awakening, this sort of inner part. Uh, and yes, this idea that I've seen people utilize not just, not just uh, medicines, but also healing experiences. Uh, using therapy, um, some of the personal growth workshops I do are really, really potent experiences. And yes, it's an altered state. And that's just because we are doing different emotional experiences that open things up and, and release so much. It's powerful. And I've seen people utilize these different types of experiences as an escape from their life. I'm trying to get out of my life. I'm trying to get away from because it's painful it hurts and I don't want to be in a state of hurting anymore I want to see if I can alleviate that and then the other side of it I think is people who continually have to come back to the fire because they don't know how to take it with them like they they don't know how to carry that warmth into their lives so they have to keep coming back to the circle and they have to keep coming back to be able to sort of recharge and like I need another I need another hit. I need another experience of this because it's starting to diminish because I don't have the ability to integrate this into my life. I don't know, either I don't yet have a place where it rests inside of me or I grab hold of it and then it fades and it gets taken away from me because of the different patterns in my life. So one of the sayings that we use in the workshops I do is that, that which hinders the work is the work. So if there's something that's causing you to not be able to fully set boundaries in your life, that is now your work. Uh, I can't feel my emotions completely because I'm afraid of people abandoning me. Like, okay, that's the thing that's stopping you from being able to do what you want. That is where your focus goes. And I think we miss this a lot of times. We treat obstacles as something that we need to avoid or go around or, well, this is the only thing that works. So this is the thing that I'll have to keep doing. And it's like, I think one of the most potent questions I ever come across is 
you know, what is it that I really need to be looking at right now? What is it that I really need to heal? What is it that's really showing up in my life over and over again that I'm trying to disregard or not pay attention to? And those internal questions are about accessing that inner healer and like waking it up. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to give you the message, but you're not listening. <laughs> stop going there, stop drinking medicine and sit and be with me, be with you, like be in this space and then let's move through it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about this because I, I seen so many people doing actively the integration and having amazing results and and then also a ton of people just completely missing that part and 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 falling back eventually to the old patterns and the old behaviors and then you know going back so so what i notice is that really the difference with the integration is that the change is long lasting like if you do integration and if you if you understand that nothing will do this work for you no plant or person or god or whatever will do it you know you have to do it then i think you know that um we can get somewhere and we can really create long-lasting change that so many of us did and demonstrated you know that is possible and i think you know that that that, that is that point when people take that responsibility and say that it's my life and I have to make this happen or make it work versus, you know, waiting for something or someone or some miracle or something to, to magically, you know, change things. And, and I do believe that there are many experiences that are maybe transcendental or miraculous, you know, in a way that help us to do this. But um, sustained change, you know, I think has to be people have to be dedicated, you know, to do this type of work. So um, do you specifically like work with people it, it, with psychedelic integration or specifically to ayahuasca? And if so, like, like, do you have any like framework that you do or you just kind of like supporting them in their journey? Um. Not particularly in an official capacity. I have worked with a lot of people who are doing different forms of integration. Um, in terms of a framework, it's it's always different. Uh, I think the framework of understanding the process of integration. I think that's the there's a sort of general sense that I have about that. Whereas you know, I think by and large, it's a good thing to know that for the first month after an experience, you're probably going to be in the afterglow of that. Yes. Of you know, everything's wonderful and life looks so different, and I never knew that I could be this person. And then once that fades, that's when the work starts. As soon as that honeymoon experience <laughs> of the medicine dissipates, now you're in the work. Now you don't have the benefit of the like the deep uh, tethered memory to that moment to to fuel your motivation and to integrate things. And that part I usually refer to as the messy middle. It's the the in-between worlds phase where you're no longer the person you were necessarily, but you're not yet the person you're trying to become. And for me, that that is the roughest part of it. That's where I think the work really comes into play, where let's look at the things that you're having a hard time integrating and the things that you won't accept and the things that you can embrace. So one of the one of the phrases with this work that I use a lot is your new life will cost you your old one. And 
even when I used to say that, I didn't understand what that really meant until I really started doing the work for myself was every single thing that I hold on to, every single thing that I have some really deep, profound attachment to, that I have a part of my identity commingled with, those are the things that it will be asked to let go. Like those are the old parts of my life that if I plan on having this new life that I'm moving into, I have to release the deadwood. So a lot of my process in working with people is understanding what is it that needs to be grieved? What are the losses that we need to take account for? And not just moving to some enlightened place of acceptance, like, okay, I can receive that. I can accept that and like skip all the emotional messiness. It's like, no, let's walk through your anger. Let's walk through your resentment. Let's, let's walk through the absolute disillusionment and fear of what will happen when you really let this thing move out of your life. Because in order to do that, you know, in order to bring in the couch, you have to move out the futon I have to feel what it feels like to just empty out some portion of my life and then sit in that emptiness and, and feel what it feels like to be in that sort of void. And, and most people are terrified of that. And I think in that process of moving through these areas of acceptance, it's important to acknowledge that the thing that changes is not that life got easier. I think this is a, a misconception that we carry. It's like, I just want life to be easier. I just want things to be smoother. I'm so tired of all the problems and all the difficulty and all the things that trigger me. I want things to get easier and they don't. And that's a very sobering concept that it's not going to get easier. Like the thing that changes is you. The thing that changes is your strength, your ability to contend with the world. Like the weight doesn't get any lighter in the gym. You just build stronger <laughs> muscles. You now so have a better true. ability to handle it. And I think that this goes back to your point of it's about what I can do. Like it's not the world happening to me. It's me shouldering the responsibility of now I get to choose how I live this life. So it's harder in the beginning, but the rewards on the back end are I get to take responsibility for not just the work that I have to do, but also all the rewards that I now gain. Those belong to me as well. Yes, so beautifully said. And just want to emphasize what you said about, you know, life is not getting easier because that's, that's exactly what I say to, to my clients, that the only thing that you can do is to learn to navigate it to the best of your ability and become a master navigator and, you know, deal with more ease and grace and confidence with the difficult situations and the intensity and not get overwhelmed and carried away and broken down by life anymore, so to say. So I deeply um, resonate with that. And, um, you know, I think what you're describing, that process of like self-love and acceptance and integrating this piece of ourselves, this, this like past pain or trauma or whatever, you know, shadow, self, pain, body, like so many names, but, but really, you know, embracing little bit by bit and bringing it back into our wholeness with that love and acceptance um, and and that is um, sometimes very difficult to do and I believe that we are not even meant to do it alone that's why you know healing in community in group uh, or having help reaching out for her professional help and and I said this multiple times but I, I, again I'm gonna repeat that 
if you are listening and if you feel very alone and isolated and struggling, then reach out for her because that's a trauma response to be isolated and to withdraw. So as part of the trauma, so you need to, you know, uh, think that normally, naturally, if you have a problem, you would call out, you know, that would be a natural, healthy response. So, and, and help is always available for everybody. I truly believe that it, it's, it's around you. There is opportunities, there is helping hands always there, but you need to, to, to reach out and, and, and grab that hand so to say. So, um, you know, your experience with, with the ayahuasca, can you share something specific that, okay, this was shown to me or told me or whatever, and then this is what happened in my life and now I feel different or something, you know, because people like the juicy details. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I think the biggest transition for me that happened with my experience with ayahuasca was I was in this very, very sterile space in my life at that time. As a therapist, I was, at the time I was practicing neurofeedback as a, a treatment modality. So I was doing EEGs and, and looking at brain scans and uh, training people's brains. In addition to doing the talk therapy that I was doing, I was also doing this. And my focus in the world had just become so scientific and looking for the results and seeing what could be measured. And I kind of ignored everything else. If I couldn't measure it, it was not in my focus. If I couldn't see it, if I couldn't identify it and, and take this quality or quantitative approach to it, I, I didn't realize that I was ignoring those things. And one of the things that I got from my experience in ayahuasca, the, I mean, I mentioned that part about just getting hit with this wall and having that ego death moment. And um, honestly, the first five hours of the experience felt like reliving all the worst parts of my entire childhood all over again. So it was really grueling and really hard. Um, after that though, I, I I felt like all of that pain, all of the difficulty of that part was just sort of like loading the cannon. And then when I got through it, it just like fired me into the center of the universe. And I mean, specifically the biggest takeaway that I got was realizing that this separation that I considered between me and everything else was an illusion. That I am not separate from you. I am not separate from the people that I work with. I'm not separate from my wife, from my family, from the people that I love. Uh, I'm not separated from the people that I hate, that I despise, that I have conflict with. And um, that like, I am, I'm, I'm not just a piece of the universe. I'm every single bit of it. And so are you. And so is everyone else. And I mean, having that as a concept was so different than like feeling it, feeling this deep, complete merging with that feeling of um, knowing it not thinking it, not believing it, not having an idea, but genuinely knowing it in every fiber of who I am. And oh, I have goosebumps when you're talking about it. And I, I think that's what, one of the reasons I'm passionate about particularly this plan, because I truly believe that it can help the world to be such a better place, because once you have that experience, you don't need a law saying don't hurt uh, uh, another being or even the environment or the animals or whatever like you 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 simply 
have a visceral understanding of this of this interconnected nature of everything and therefore you are looking at things and taking care of things in a very different way because you are considering kind of part of you if everything is part of you you know how you want to treat yourself and and everything and i think this is 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 a major shift you know and it can only come from the individual because look at the world even now we have laws and regulations and and still people don't care you know because they i think so disconnected we are so disconnected like i come from the west i grew up in a city in an apartment but like i was so disconnected i was afraid of nature i was afraid of insects you know when i was a child i was like oh. I was like so, and and uh, yeah, like people who knew me before, they couldn't believe that I went to the Amazon <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> I was like, no. Um, but yes, this reconnection, you know, that 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 I think that totally shifts the the priority because it's such a deep experience. And as you said, it's 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 not something intellectual understanding. It's something you know that really cannot be put in words, you know, and 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 people only will understand through the experience. I don't think you can get this in any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that exactly that that feeling of i can no longer live in my life the way that i once did because i realized now i am in relationship to everything so i cannot hurt you without hurting me i cannot neglect some part of nature without also neglecting myself and yeah it's a, a difficult realization if not a beautiful one yeah i'm still working with that <laughs> everything is yeah, me part too. of me I have this beautiful mantra my friend taught me that uh, I am part of all things and all things are part of me. I am here now and I use that a lot and you know to, to remember this because of course it does fade and I do perceive you as a separate individual right now you know even though I still have that feeling of connectedness and so it doesn't stay so intense definitely when you are in that in that super you know in the experience itself with the medicine, but um, I think, you know, that, that we can cultivate this and then embodying in our life, connecting with nature, with the earth, with people in an authentic way. And, and that's how, you know, I embody this, this teaching that I receive the medicine in my life in every day, I try to apply it, you know, and sometimes I fail miserably and that's, that's okay. <laughs> I guess. Um, so what do you think, because you have several two other healing tools and, and a vast knowledge about therapy and healing experiences, that what do you think that the plants can specifically help us in terms of healing and especially the ayahuasca? You know, if you say there's so many ways, like how is this unique or, or special or what, what is like something that it can do that other things maybe can't do? It's, it's hard to answer this simply. Um, if I had to narrow it down to one piece, memory reconsolidation. The, the environment, the neurological environment that is created with these kinds of medicines 
is so unique in that it affords us this very rare opportunity that I can travel all the way down to the core of who I am, specifically core experiences, early recollections and memories of times where I was not treated as this beautiful slice of the universe. And in fact, I was treated like a burden. I was treated like a nuisance. I was treated like something that was inherently unlovable and unwanted and needing to work and buy and, and, and position myself strategically in order to be valuable to the people that ought to love me from scratch. Getting all the way down to those core bits of who we are in a psychedelic experience where we have access now to not just every other part of me, but the resourcefulness of the entire universe. This is just something that I think every therapist longs to create within the people they work with is being able to get down to that piece and then tethering it to all of this adult resourcefulness that I have created in my life. You know, not just logically, uh, you know, explaining away my emotions, but being able to, like very specifically, one of the experiences I had was being able to go back to that little five-year-old boy inside of me and sit with him and say, you didn't do anything wrong. You were not wrong for this. You were showing up beautifully. You are someone who is trustworthy. You are someone who is honest and compassionate and loving. And the people who were around you in that moment that you're in right now, they didn't know, right? They were hurt, they were wounded and they wounded you as a result of it. And it wasn't even their intention. And being able to connect that little boy to this life that I've now created as an adult where I'm surrounded by people who love me. I'm surrounded by people who know me. I'm still integrating this piece a lot. So I'm like feeling this right now. Like I'm surrounded by people who see me for who I truly am and they know me and they love me as that person. And when I make mistakes, they see that compassionately. When I show up goofy and silly and with all the energy that I have in my person, uh, they celebrate that. They welcome it. They, they cheer me on. They, they delight in the things that make me come to life. And oh, beautiful. Yeah. And like, and all the therapy I've done in my life, I was working toward that end. And I think I did that to a large degree, but I've never been able to do it so efficiently and so elegantly as in these kinds of experiences. The, the, the ability to just do it in one session. I mean, I, I, I know that we say like, we have to integrate this stuff. And yet there's some moments, there's some pieces that I got in one night. Absolutely, a spark yeah. or, you know, but then, you know, what, how will that manifest in your life, in your behavior? That's what we're talking about, the integration, of course, you know, yeah. there's many realizations and stuff like that. So, you know, I particularly had very interesting experience, um, you know, with plants and really connect to what you said that it is my experience that this was the only tool so far known to me that could reach certain core wounds that other tools could not reach that I've been using for many, many years. And I think when there is trauma, especially childhood trauma, and I find it especially childhood sexual abuse is one of that is normally so protected the wound inside, you know, that 
psychotherapy counseling forget about it if it's like suppressed into am amnesia it, these things will not surface so i had personal experience of of with the medicines helping me to access you know certain childhood trauma that I was not aware of and many clients who I work with in my practice they had similar experience now I'm not sure if I'm attracting these people because I can relate and this is not the general you know so I don't know if you if you notice this in any way you know like literally memories coming back that were you know super surprised for for people when they work with plants yes absolutely absolutely and, and and I also do think that yes, there's some there's some part of that probably where I attract people that I can help <laughs> because it's what I've gone through. Um, I have noticed a trend as a therapist with that. But yes, the this idea that it it naturally sort of unearths the things that I mean, in so many ways, I think you know something like sexual abuse, something like uh, childhood trauma, it's a mistake. It, it's not something that is in alignment with who we ought to be, right? It's it's a nail driven through a tree and, and the tree just trying desperately to push it out by growing thicker and stronger. And to have the ability to sort of like loosen up the fabric of who we are so that we can reach in and just pull that flaw out. It's like a bad piece of code, you know, written into the program and being Absolutely. able to remove that and yes, the integration is then, okay, now that that is gone, how do I now restructure all of who I am? Because I've, I've developed so many protections and so many ways of being that have shielded me from ever triggering, triggering this again. That is a part of that work as well, of course. But I mean, that's, I think the level of reverence that we have to approach these experiences with is because of that, that I better, anyone who goes into a, a, an, an experience like this and, and working with these medicines, it's just like, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I have no concerns whatsoever. It's like, you probably aren't paying attention <laughs> you're about to go into the gauntlet of experiences right now and, and i think we all ought to have some level of respect for that process that something could emerge that could potentially derail my life right now and i need to be prepared for that i need to have my tribe waiting at home for when i get back that i have people i can talk to then they're prepared for what it is that i have to share that they can hold space with me and give me the compassion and the support and the insight and the love that i will need because the potential of unearthing something really dark and mucky and and probably not enjoyable to experience at least from scratch is very very high that that's absolutely my experience with particular with the ayahuasca i almost feel like her like this surgical tool exactly as you described that is ability to reach super and to bring these core wounds to the surface which would take with traditional tools and therapies ages to break through all the resistance and the denial and everything to access and of course if you cannot access it and you are not aware you cannot heal you cannot move on you trap you trap to you 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 repeating you know you are condemned to bring it into your future so so it is a type of prison in this way and and i think that the beautiful thing for me was to to do this part of the work the medicine is to uh, to bring it to the surface so we don't need all that work to dig and to try to excavate and figure out but she unlodges it as you said like she pushes it to the surface and many many times you know people 
uh, have these shocking experiences because of this reason, because I think that's, that's her function. I mean, she's called the wine of the dead, and this is a type of death and rebirth that we go through. Like, I mean, for me, my whole identity and everything shifted in such a deep way after having this piece and, and how I looked at myself and my behavior. Like, it was just like, it is a totally, you become a new being. And, and even though I think these experiences can be super intense and challenging and you definitely need support system, but it's also an opportunity to finally to be free, you know, to be free from this past pain and to, you know, <laughs> move on, you know, really, and, and, and be, con you know, consciously creating, you know, and not unconsciously, you know, perpetuating, you know, what happened. So, so I think, you know, that it's, it's the light and the shadow, of course, like the intensity and the experience and then the possibility of freedom and healing and everything that is contained there is like, I think for me, very symbolic, you know, in, in this whole journey. I remember reading on your website that it's not for the faint-hearted, your programs or something, and I have the exact same sentence on mine. And I do think that, you know, particular people call to this particular path, and, uh, and there are many paths that are just as good, you know, and effective, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I love the, the, for this reason, you know, I love that, that we can we can really reach really deep and and create deep transformation with these um, tools and allies so i'm so happy and i hope that we can um, come together another time and continue because you are such a wealth of knowledge and experience but um, just before closing tell us a little bit about what what kind of projects you are running at the moment and what kind of clientele you're working with so where can people find you and what are you passionate about right now yes yes um what i'm very very passionate about right now and now that COVID is lightening up. <laughs> We're not out of it yet, but it's lightening up. We're getting back to in-person workshops. So uh, the organization that I work with is called Personal Power and Prosperity. It's uh, a personal growth workshop. It is not uh, based in any sort of use of medicines. It's based in emotional agility, um, which is probably one of my favorite precursors to these kinds of experiences. The more that you, we have an internal awareness of how to navigate our inner world, the more equipped we are when we add something very, you know, powerful like a plant medicine. Uh, those workshops are coming back. We currently have workshops in Orlando, Florida, where I am. Um, we also have them in Berlin. We have a community based there as well. Uh, so I'd be, I'll actually be traveling there in June uh, for our Berlin course as well. And then additionally, we are doing a team camp here in central florida uh, for teens age 13 to 17 where we have a summer camp for an entire week and we teach teens how to navigate their limiting beliefs and how to experience their emotions and how to address conflict and giving them sort of tools to be adults you know, <laughs> preparing them for their life ahead of them and i the love that doing, um, yes yeah yeah that's the camp is probably one of my favorite experiences i get to do totally and it's so important that kids learn these things like it, this should be you know communication emotional expression you know mental health this should be taught you know and and, and oftentimes i'm teaching people in my practice when they are 50 or something to do these things and i also yeah. learned as an adult you know by 
you know, looking for the knowledge for myself. So this is this is so cool. I appreciate this so much that you are involved in this and planting the seeds. You know, it's easier to create good habits and good ways than to completely change everything when you are like 40 years old. <laughs> yeah, a lot easier when you when you start small. Um, yeah, and the last thing that I'm doing is I am working on developing a facilitator training course because a lot of what I do is not just about facilitation, but also facilitation in large groups, understanding how to hold space for emotional experiences with large groups of people. And the way that we define large is whatever number of people you can no longer attend to each person individually. So depending on the facilitator's skill, that could be four people in a psychedelic experience, right? Because there's a lot of potent experiences going on there. Whereas for someone who's leading a meditation course, that could be 30 people because they have the skills to do it. But there's a certain point at which, you know, kind of like what we're talking about, the relationships and the dynamics that happen between people where we ought to treat the group as an organism of itself. And there's a lot of really amazing things that happen with that. And all my training of therapy and personal growth and so forth, I've never really come across someone who teaches that dynamic specifically. So I've had a lot of people ask me just to do a training around this uh, so that other facilitators can start doing this in the, their communities as well. So that's what I'm really, really inspired to do <laughs> uh, before the end of this year. Awesome. That's that going to the teaching. I think it's the next level of service also, you know, teaching the skills to people so they can also go and teach it to others. So that's wonderful. And we're going to um, include your website and all your social media in the description of the video so people can connect with you and participate in all of the good things that you are offering. So, yeah, thank you so much for for being here and um, I always ask, you know, before we finish, what if somebody is thinking about going to the plant medicine path and specifically with the ayahuasca, like what, what would you say to them, you know? I would, I would say trust that inner voice inside of you that's pointing you where to go. Um, I think we spend too much time mm -hmm. listening to what other people have to say to us and unless yeah. we don't spend enough time listening to what we are saying to us. There's, there's a voice inside of all of us that is always pointing us to our true north, and that will always point you in the right direction. Absolutely. Trust your inner guidance and your yeah. intuitive guidance. And if you don't know where is that voice, then, you know, listen, quiet, quiet your mind, quiet your life a little bit and listen inside and you for sure are going to hear it. So thank you so much. It's, it's such a joy and pleasure to meet you and to share with you today, Josh. And thank you for our audience for listening. And please subscribe and share this video because we rely on you as we don't have any marketing team. So if you like this video, share uh, with your tribe, with your friends. And uh, see you soon in the next episode. Thank you.